0: Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast I have Pastor George Ellington from the Discipleship International Ministries from Orlando, Florida. Uh, welcome Pastor Ellington.
1: Thank you, it's good to be here.
0: Well, God is so good and we know that he is pouring out his spirit, I believe an awakening has already begun. And tonight as I uh, sat in your Bible study, I um, mean, you, you were talking about Revelation. And there's just such a, an excitement and an expectation. I love the name of your church, Discipleship International Ministries. Tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and this ministry.
1: Well, um, before I came came to Christ, I, you know, I was on drugs. Uh, matter of fact, I was on crack.
0: Cocaine. No way.
1: Yes, yes. And, um, and, and when I met Jesus, you know, I heard the gospel preach that Jesus Christ can set you free from anything and that he can make you a new creation in him. And, um, and that penetrated my heart and I, I never saw myself as a sinner, you know, cause my family was Baptist and stuff. And I, you know, I didn't like s- certain things in church, you know? but my daddy was a bootleg and all that kind of stuff and a deacon in the church. So church kind of turned me off. But when I heard the gospel preached and, and the love and the know that God loved me, even though I was all messed up and it penetrated my heart and I cried out to Jesus and he saved me and he made me new
0: Amen. and I knew
1: I was new. I mean, you know, I've, and the love that, that penetrated my heart if I saw a roach, I didn't even want to kill a roach, you know. Just that love, you know. And I hate roaches, you know. But he made me new and then he put a burden in my heart when I heard my pastor preach about, now you need to go and tell somebody else. I automatically start telling my family about what Christ did for me, you know, and how he saved me. And a lot of them, you know, at first they rejected me because I had a zeal of God but not according to knowledge, you know. And then um, I got a sister and she's an evangelist now. And I got other nieces that God allowed me to lead to him. And some of them preachers now and a lot of them are saved. Um, I remember when I was a baby, but well, I don't remember when I was a baby, but I was told this, you know, that um, a lady put some stuff in my bottle to try to kill me. And um, it was a prophecy over me as a baby. That the devil can't kill him because he's gonna be a preacher one day. My grandmother waited till I was 12. My mom died when I was 12 years old. Mm. So she sat me on her porch and I was broken, you know, because I was the mama's boy. And she said, George, I waited this long to tell you so you can understand. And she explained all that stuff to me. And at that time, I hated preachers because they used to come to our house and eat and we had to wait till everybody eat, and then when they get through eating the big belly preacher, uh, being done eating all the good part of the chicken, and we got to wait and eat the back. But I didn't understand my <coughs> family just being a blessing, you know, I didn't understand all that. And she told me, say, um, you know, the prophecy spoken over you that you was going to be a preacher one day. I ran from that. Yeah, I, it was, I went so deep away from that, you know, And then um, some years later, when I was about 19, and my grandmother, she read that Bible to me. She used to make me pray. And uh, she was reading and prayed every morning before she did anything. I saw that, you know. She was a woman of great faith. And when her eyes started getting bad, she made me read the Bible. Then I started feeling attracted to the Bible, just something about the Bible. I was a kid. I was just drawn to it. Then I started reading and couldn't stop reading it, you know. Then I said I was in my probably early 20s um, when I um, started feeling the call of God. I ain't understand all of that. I am reading Jeremiah when God called him, and I sensed the call of God from the <coughs> Bible, from the Word, you know. And, uh, but I didn't understand all of that. And make a long story short, fast forward some years. I think I was 24. Twenty-four, and um, when I accepted a call <laughs> to preach, how it happened, I, somebody invited me to a revival, and I went there, and, and I went, stayed, went way, stayed in the back, you know, I didn't go up front, and the evangelist started preaching and came right there and stood by me, called me out, and told me something, like everything that was in my heart about the call of God and things that my grandmama told me, you know, and I felt it, I just couldn't do nothing but cry. Then that happened about seven times. Went to another church, I tried to hide out in the back. The preacher started in the pulpit and walked right there in front of me, look right at me and pointed me out. <coughs> tell me the exact same words. So I finally said yes, and then I started studying you know, and, and, and spending time in the presence of God, and then he put me around a, a true man of God mm-hmm. that could nurture me. And then I ended up bike-sliding, cause uh, they didn't, you know, uh, I fell through the crack of some things happened and they just, I got, you ever heard of Church Hurt? Church Hurt? Yeah.
0: I call it Surviving Church 101. Yeah,
1: and, and you know, they kicked me on the bus, so I, I bike-slid and I moved to Jacksonville. And I got so messed up in sin and um, suicidal and everything. And and the devil had me thinking that I couldn't come back to Christ. Uh, Church folk, only thing they did, they didn't have that mindset for restoration. They just put me down, like kicked me under the bus. So now I'm I'm twisted in my Mm -hmm. thinking that God don't love me no more, you know. And I got so on crack. On drugs, and, and one thing I, I hated needles, but I had friends that we hung out with that they shot up. And they shot up so much that their veins had turned black and hard. Aww. And you know what? I was so messed up and so in darkness that I get mine, push the needle in there, they'll, they'll cook it they draw blood out of their vein, and mixed it with the cocaine mm. and put it back in the syringe and shoot it in their veins. Mm. I was just that messed up because wow. they, they couldn't find the vein and I would do it for them wow. just to get the cocaine and snort it. I said, I ain't going to shoot my I'm going to snort it. And then, you know, I, uh, and my heart had become so darkened. I it was scary. Um, and then uh, I started thinking, what if then a bubble, one time a bubble, you know, and I, I understood that that was air, an and that could kill somebody. Mm. And I, that, that bothered me. I said, what if I pushed some bad drugs in there? What if that bubble caused them to die, and I couldn't live with that? So I, I told them I couldn't do that no more, and, you know, they broke friendship with me. I couldn't live with killing nobody. I was still messed up. But I just couldn't do that no more. And I was shacking up there in Jacksonville. And, and one day, um, and I had stopped doing anything with church. And one day, Sunday morning, the girlfriend I was shacking with, I turned the station on Christian Station, Jane Robinson was on. And uh, I felt the love of Jesus. Amen. He, God used him to minister to me. Cause I didn't think nobody loved me. I'm sorry.
0: But Jesus does.
1: Yeah, he said. He said. He said someone out there said you don't. You think you done went so far in sin that ain't no more hope for you. He said I want you to know Jesus loves you. He said you can't go too far that Jesus can't reach you. And I felt that Mm. the Spirit of God broke up that hardness. Yes.
0: Because
1: I hadn't cried in a way. I had become so hardened that I couldn't cry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My tear duck, would not no tear come out because I mm-hmm. was hardened. Now living a, a rough, hardened lifestyle. And that's when God started drawing me back. Amen. And that same year, he restored me. My sister came back and got me and I went to visit a brother and um, he said, can I pray with you before I left and when he prayed, the Holy Ghost arrested me, convicted my heart, and I knew as a bike slider, you know, you know. And he just bathed me in his love, and I repented. I was so sorry that I turned away from him. But I didn't know, you know, and and, and I left there with that joy, the forgiveness, the guilt was lifted up off of me. I had a hope that I didn't have before that, and and you know, a dude that we was going to start selling drugs, two weeks, God interrupted that. We were going to start selling crack. And two weeks before the, we were going to do that, God intercepted that. And I'm so glad he did, you know. And uh, and I told him Then I uh, went back to that same church. God told him to go back to that same church, because it was a church that the power of God was there, and you know the a, a new church Pastor still learning things. And I, I went back and got grounded there, and uh, met my <coughs> wife. You know, um, we married there. And uh, some years down the road, I'm fast. I'm, I'm, I'm not connecting no, all the dots, but I'm fast-forwarding. But anyway, we uh, in March, me and my wife would be married for thirty years but we would have been married 40 years because I backslid. I we, we got engaged when she was 19 and I was 24 and that was during that dark time when I backslid, you know, and um, we remarried in 90 and March the 3rd we'd be married 30 years and, um, and we in ministry together. But God dealt with me about pastoring, going back to what, what you asked me to, to answer that question how he did it, there was no doubt because, you know, God don't deal with doubt. He can't, he, can't, he can't bless doubt. When the disciples doubted those who Jesus sent to him after he was resurrected, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of their hearts. But he still sent them out. He still used them. He had to correct them because he had to get that out of them. And that's what my wife said. When I told her what God said, she said, well, I'm not, I don't want to do that. And I said, okay. So I went in my prayer closet, and he talked to her. <coughs> then I said, what should I name it? And he said, Discipleship International Ministry. So I went on and did, made sure nobody else had that name, you know, went on some biz, and, and, and got that name and, and, you know, paid the fee that they charged. And, and you know, that name uh, has a lot to do with, with the purpose of the ministry, to disciple people, you know. And to teach them, you know, because I'm looking for, you know, I'm a student of the word. Right. You know, how much time I got left?
0: Oh, you got lots of time.
1: But, um, so that's um, an international because it's going to eventually go international. And I know that's a prophetic word because my ministry has a prophetic thrust to it. Right. You know, Um, but. I want
0: to go back to. when you felt the call of God to be a pastor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at first you thought it was an evangelist.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And tell and me I, how
0: that how that um, moved into pastoral. Yeah.
1: Okay. God explained that to me too, because my ministry really had never been out of the soul winner, and I just thought you know that was I love evangelistic work. And I did a lot of that. And I always thought that that was, you know, my ministry. And, uh, and I, I, I've done revivals and stuff and seen people uh, get saved. And, and then when he started dealing with me about pastoral, that's why I went to pray. I said, Lord, I don't tell everybody about it. I'm an evangelist, you know. And I say, you know, and you know what he told me? He said, son, I called you to be a pastor, but I gave you the heart of an evangelist. Wow. You know, that's the way he explained it to me, mm-hmm. because he wanted me to keep that heart for the loss, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got some pastors that, pastors slash evangelists, they got that that anointing to reach, you know, the loss. Every pastor not gifted in that capacity like that, but that's the way he explained it to me. Wow. Because there's a lot of people told me, say, man, I, you, I thought you said you was evangel evangelist, I mean evangelist, Yeah. But one thing, what we have to understand, God is one call, not man. You know, and I don't look for accolades from men. Two greatest things to be delivered from, number one, sin, and, the, <coughs> and then the number two, the opinions of men. Mm. I'm free from the opinions of men.
0: Mm.
1: When I stand before the Lord, I got to give account only to him
0: That's right. for
1: my stewardship, for my ministry,
0: That's right. you
1: know, um, so, and I'm excited. And you know another thing? What he did to me, he he, he gave me a pastor's heart. Because you know the evangelist trust to get them in, right? And the pastor, you know, to nourish them and to teach them, yes. and to teach them how to live out their faith. Yeah. You know, to shepherd mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And to nourish them, you know, so they can grow Amen.
0: and develop.
1: So he, he 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 put a transformation inside of my heart. And a love for people.
0: Amen. I can't explain;
1: it's supernatural. I can't explain it, but it's a God thing.
0: Now you were talking earlier about a dream you had. Yeah. God speaks to us in dreams and visions. Yes, He does. Tell me a little bit of the dreams and visions He's given you.
1: Oh yeah, He, he, he always have dreams. That's the way He um, He revealed things to me. Even um, I told you about the. Uh, I knew the men's were gonna be part a lot of teaching because of the school bus. You know, and all of this was showing me that I was going to be the pastor because I was driving the school bus. You know, and um, and I was going to teach as well. But uh, how? (coughs) Let me give you a dream. How we come to get this building? Mm -hmm. We um, we was in in our home for eight years. You know, before we um, got a building, I don't move fast. I don't care what nobody say. I don't let nobody push me out, you know, because if God give you a word, he'll confirm it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, I've seen people jump out there ahead of God and just made a, a mess, and a lot of people became shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. If God give you a word, he's accurate. He ain't going to hit and miss. You know. Holy Ghost don't never hit and miss. Amen. Whatever he say, you can mark that down, you know. But anyway, um, we was praying for a building and God he know how to hook you up. He does. He know how to bring the right connection. He does. He connected me with some godly pastors, a godly pastor that we I've been knowing about close to 50 years. And um and we started fellowshipping. And it was just dropped in my spirit one day after church over there. I said, I told my wife, I said, baby, I believe that some kind of way we're gonna get our building. It's connected with our fellowship with this pastor and their congregation. And uh, the pastor that used to pastor here, mm-hmm. um, I was supposed to come and do preach his appreciation this year um, in July, last year, July the 21st. And um, two weeks before he, he, uh, he got sick, had a stroke. He went to the hospital and he got out of the hospital and he passed away, you know. And that was, and the deacon what came and got the mic, some of them was up under him. And and the wife said God told her to shut the ministry down. Then wanted to move on. She wasn't no pastor or nothing like that, you know. So it's good to know your calling. Because there's a lot of people out there making a mess. Because God didn't call them, they out of their place. If a person get in the right calling, that anointing will rest upon them, and they'll be effective right there. Mm. But anyway, but anyway, deacon, uh, the, they were looking for a pastor, and they had three pastors that they was, you know, considering. And my friend that I was telling you about, he said, yeah, Pastor Ellington, good friend of mine, and he highly recommended and everything. And when things move too fast, I get nervous. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, the flesh pushes, the Bible said be anxious for nothing. And I believe that. And so the deacon called me, you know, he said, Pastor, I got your number from Pastor Brown. Say said, our pastor passed away and we need a pastor. <coughs> he said, if we don't get a pastor, he got a heart for the sheep. Yes. He said, if we don't get a pastor, the sheep just gonna scatter.
0: Mm.
1: Cause they ain't have another pastor. Pastor, I don't know why pastor don't train somebody else because they don't trust. They think the church belongs to them somehow. The
0: yes. church belongs to Jesus. That's right. Last time
1: I read the rock, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church.
0: That's right. And
1: that's why we have these preachers that think they're icons and all that kind of stuff, and people worshiping them. They mm-hmm. say, my church. You'll never hear me say that. Mm-hmm. I didn't die for the church. That's right. I don't own not one sheep.
0: That's right.
1: I don't mm-hmm. own not one of them. Right. You know?
0: I like that, because in John eight thirty six he says, whom the sun sets free is yeah. free indeed. Yeah. And I know um, in sometimes smaller areas, if, if you go to a different church, they get all offended and mad because you're my sheep. Well,
1: yeah. that's, there's that's, only
0: one good shepherd. Yeah, that's, that's Jesus. Yeah. That's Jesus. And so so um, there's no controlling of the sheep.
1: <laughs> See, that's a controlling right. spirit. It's kind of like the spirit of witchcraft. Yeah. You know. Manipulation is there. If you find that kind of spirit there, Uh you're going to find Jezebel's spirit there. You're going to find uh, the Nicolaitan spirit there. Uh They're controlling. It's a controlling spirit. Jesus, the apostle never did that. Jesus never did that. You know. But back to what you were saying. So uh, the deacon called me and said, we need a pastor. So I went in prayer. You know, me and my wife, he called me before we went to Alabama. We went on vacation for the Christmas holidays. And so while I was up there, he called me again. And I was getting a little nervous now, you know. So I really, really went to the end of the season. And that night, I, God gave me a dream. I was asleep. And he gave me a dream in the form of a football game. I used to love football when I was young. But he blacked out everything. I knew the opposing team was in front of me. And I knew my team was there. You know, he blacked it out. And it was a reason, once I woke up and considered it, and he gave me the interpretation, then I understood it. Now, the, 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 uh, the opposing team formed the football, and it fell right in front of me, and the glory of God was shining right on it.
0: Hmm.
1: Everything else was dark but that football. And I know what to do with it. I suppose to pick it up and run with it, but I hesitated, just like I did when the deacon called me. I hesitated, because I'm not one of them preachers that just jump out there. I don't look Mm -hmm. for accolades and stuff like that. I know, I believe in this principle here. It's a biblical principle. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and hear the answer. And the peace of God shall guard or keep your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus, that piece of that silent umpire, that's a green light. You know, you don't know what to do when he give you that peace, that's that green light. That's you know, and I don't move, to, I, I learned that over the years. But anyway, I knew to get it and run, and I knew that, you know, my guy behind me had my back. You know, and I knew the opposing team was there. But I hesitated, and then, you know, that, that scene passed, and then they, they, the receiver was running, and they overthrew him. I knew what to do, and, boy, I was airborne this time. I wasn't going to miss that opportunity. I jumped up airborne like super net in the air, yeah. and I grabbed that ball, and I went to running. And you mm. know when I thought on that vision and I prayed for the interpretation, when he put it there, he said, son, I'm putting the opportunity. Drop mm. the right in your lap. He would let me know he blacked out everything else because it was my decision. Because he called me. My mm-hmm. wife wasn't there. The board wasn't there. Because I'm not one of them deep, one of them preachers that controlled by them board. Right. You know, we come together and we pray. I'm not no controlling preacher, neither. Right. You know, except controlled by the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's you it. You know, we come together and pray for direction. And when God points me in a the direction, then I share it. Amen. You know. Amen. But anyway, when I caught the pass and ran, and he was telling me to jump for the opportunity. He said that what a vision, that was a dream meant. So I put it right there in front of you, but it's up to you to make the decision. Hmm. I want you to jump for it. And that's what I did. And the doors open, you know.
0: Amen. And
1: ain't that simple. Well, Here it is. Jump for it.
0: Discipleship International yeah. Ministries. I love it. I'd like to take the opportunity to have you pray for the listeners, for revival, for this awakening, this breaking loose. And I believe that God is uh, speaking right now to many that He has dropped the ball in their lap, and it's their choice. They can pick it up and go. Yes. But He's a He's a good God. He's Amen. not going to force anyone. Yes. Um, if you're feeling the call, if you See the, see the ball in front of you? Pastor Ellington is gonna pray for you today. And we believe that um, he will fulfill every promise, every, uh, every need will be met. Um, and as he said, don't be anxious for nothing. And on that note, will you pray?
1: Sure, yes, be glad to. Father, we thank you for this opportunity This divine destiny moment. Father, we touch and agree together. Your word says where two or three are gathered together in your name, Lord Jesus. You will be in the midst. Father, we pray for everyone that is listening. Those that the ball have dropped in their lot, right in front of them. Those, Father, that have ignored it. Those, Heavenly Father, that you're calling by your spirit those that you have been calling for a long time. For your word says in the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. We thank you right now, Father, that you are dealing with their hearts right now. We believe in you, God, that the power of darkness is being broken. We believe in you right now, God, that conviction is falling right now. And, Father, we pray that those that have backslidden, those that have never known Jesus as their personal Savior, Father God, we just pray that they would open their hearts and cry cry out to you now and ask you to forgive them for their sins and ask you to come into their hearts and be their Lord and their Savior. We thank you and we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Ellington. And thank you, listeners, for joining me today. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.